So God is so good. Um, I just want to take a moment and pause and pray before I start. So pray with me. God, we just thank you for your sweet presence in this house. We thank you, God, that you do love to blow us away. We thank you, God, that when we get a clear look at you, your awesome greatness, your incredible love, your power, God, your mercy, when we take a really good look at you, God, you blow us away. And God, I just pray tonight that you would blow us away again, God, that we would be blown away so that all our facades are just like, come off. God, all of our fears, come off. God, all of our insecurities, come off, God. Everything that keeps us from that closeness, that union with you and fully seeing you for who you are and who you're calling us to be. I thank you, God. You're taking that off tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. I love worship. I have to say that one of my favorite things to do is worship. And I realize that as we're worshiping, really worship is declaring God's, what we believe. We're declaring who God is to us. And we're declaring what God um, is calling us to be. And we're making those declarations. Kind of reminds me of the Apostles' Creed, where they would say over and over again, you know, what they believed. And it got them through some really tough times. Persecution, um, martyrdom. You know, they would say over and over again what they believed. And so worship is a special opportunity for us once again to make a declaration before the Lord God, I believe in who you are. I believe in what you've called me to be. I believe in what you call me, what you say I am. And worship is powerful. And I believe tonight God's going to release a spirit of worship and joy in this house that's going to be so powerful um, because we're going to start believing who he is and what he says about us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So um, tonight we're talking about a friend of God. Um, when, we were at, when I was asked to speak on intimacy, um, right away um, Abraham came to mind. And um, because Abraham was called a friend of God. And um, I started thinking, well, how did he get there? How did he get, how many of you guys would like to be called a friend of God? The God says, Those are my, that's my friend, that's my friend. I want to be called a friend of God. And so... I started thinking, well, what did Abraham do that was so special that God said, I want to be, he's my friend. He's close to me. And um, Abraham wasn't perfect. And that's one thing I love about the Bible. I have to say, I'm, for many years, probably most of my ministry years, I've taught children's church. So um, I've been a children's pastor. And so I love Bible stories. So you're going to see in a lot of my preaching style, I just like to tell stories of the Bible and what God teaches us through people's lives. And the thing I love about Bible stories and when we read the Bible is that God doesn't just show like the high points where everybody's like, oh, glory, glory, you know, you have all this wonderful download, but he also shows the low points and how people make it through the low points. And I, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that part. And so we're going to look into that life of Abraham and Sarah and how they made it through some of the high points and the low points. 
And the life of Abraham and Sarah just really spoke to me this summer as I've been studying it. Um, Anthony mentioned we've been in ministry for 18 years in Seattle, and we've had some glorious high points. And then we've had some really intense low points. And one of them just this last year, which I will share with you. But we've had some really tough times and really hard times. And that's where your faith is tested. And you're really, what, what keeps you in those low times is what you believe. What you believe about God and what you believe about who he says that you are. And so we're going to revisit that tonight. So when I looked at this verse in James 2, 23, about Abraham, it said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So I wanted more depth on that word friend, because it just stuck out to me, because I'm like, okay, well, what kind of friend is that? Is that just like an acquaintance kind of friend? Is that a close friend? What kind of a friend is that? So I looked up in the Hebrew, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, but maybe some of you Hebrew scholars can pronounce this. But um, this means, this was the Hebrew word for friend in this, and there was lots of different um, friends, um, Hebrew. Anyway, this says, especially dear to God, particularly favored with his intimacy. Isn't that good? So now how many of you want to be a friend of God? Especially dear to God, particularly favored with his intimacy. So good. So good. So Abraham was a man that received a word from the Lord. And he chose to believe it. It was a crazy word. It really didn't... um, fit where he was at. He was living in a place with his family, and according to Joshua, if you read in Joshua, it actually says that um, Abraham's family did not walk with the Lord. They served other gods. Now, maybe they believed in God, but they also served other gods. They They went along with what was going on in society. But God gave a word to Abraham, and it was very clear. God said, in um, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, get out of your country from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He's not even telling him where, which I love. Okay, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow. That's quite a promise. That's like, whoa. And if you look in the New Testament, time and time again, we see that as Christians, we've been grafted into this promise. This is our promise too. We've been given this promise. So, most, so many of us though, maybe if we were to, somebody to say this to us, we'd be like, okay, that's kind of like too much. <laughs> that's a little bit too much, right? That's that's pretty big. But God gave this to Abraham, and instead of going, are you sure, God? That's a little bit crazy. That's a little bit too much. He said, okay, okay, I believe it. I believe it. I'm going to choose to believe this. I'm going to leave my family's house. I'm going to go south. I don't know what's down there, but I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to go south, 
and I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. That was amazing. That was amazing. Now, along the way, he goes, and as he goes, he gets to the land of Canaan. I don't know if you guys are familiar on a map, but he was going and he was traveling down south and he went to Canaan. And when he got down to Canaan, um, as he was there, the Lord spoke to him again and said, okay, you went, awesome. Now this is the land I'm giving you. I'm giving you this land. This land will be for your descendants and it's going to be a blessing to you and to, your, to the people after you. You're all of your people. And he goes, awesome. He believes God. He believes God. And you know what he does? Every time he gets a word from God, he builds an altar. He builds an altar, probably like a bunch of stones. I mean, he's heaving those stones, and he builds an altar. And why does Abraham want to build an altar? It's because he doesn't ever want to forget the promise that God told him. He doesn't ever want to forget that word that he just heard. He wants to be able to return back to that altar and go, what did you say again to me, God? You know, and, and, and revisit it and say it, speak it out again and declare it to the Lord and declare it to himself. So this altar was to remind himself of what God said. And it's so cool because every time God speaks to him, every, Abraham gets a name for God. He gets all these cool names. He has these times where he gets alone with God. And every time he gets alone with God, God reveals a new character of himself. To him. And as God reveals a new part of himself, a new peace, he's kind of like, like David says, oh, that's so good. It's so sweet. That's so good. He's like, that is so good. And he goes, okay, I'm going to make a new name for you, God. This is now I saw that you're like this. Now I have a deeper revelation. You are the God most high. Here's some of the things that he comes up with. You are the God most high. And you are my shield. You are my exceedingly great reward. And you are the God Almighty. You are the God that provides. He starts getting these revelations of who God is. It sounds like a worship song, right? He starts getting these revelations of who God is. And as he's getting those revelations, he's building this stone. And he's saying, okay, now, God, this is who you are. And this is who you've called me to be. And he makes this cool altar awesome. Okay, even though Abraham was an awesome godly man and he believed God, he definitely had some downfalls. And um, that's what I love about the Bible. It's raw. It's real and it shares some downfalls. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody preach on this, but I'm going to share what Abraham did with his lovely wife, Sarah. He kind of threw her under the bus. And, you know, as I read this as a woman, I go, well, God, how can you call this man your friend? I mean, come on. Let me tell you what he did, okay? As he's going, there's a famine in the land. I just want to preview this story that when there's a famine in the land and things get tough, the rotten part of us starts to come out, right? The selfishness starts to come out. We start going through a famine. We start going through rough times. And things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves starts to come out. Okay, so that's what happens to Abraham. He's in the land of Canaan. Everything's all glorious. Oh, he had that high moment, built that amazing altar, right? And he saw who God was. But then there was a famine in the land. And when your tummy starts hurting and the kids start crying, okay, and everybody's stressed out, 
all right? And there's a famine. He says, well, I got I to gotta go somewhere and get some food. So he goes down to Egypt. And as he's going down to Egypt, he's thinking about this. And fear, probably which has already started to creep in already, because are we going to die? Are we going to starve to death? Whatever. All the things that he's thinking, okay, starts to come in his heart. And he thinks, wow, my wife, she's really, really beautiful. <laughs> Other men are going to notice her. She is so beautiful. And he goes, and if they notice her, then they're probably going to kill me. All these what ifs. Oh my gosh. The enemy is the king of what ifs, is he not? If they see her, they're going to kill me and they're going to take her because she's so beautiful that Pharaoh's certainly going to want her. Okay? So that's what he starts thinking. And then he, de- he devises this plan and he says to Sarah, his wife, Sarah, in fact, I think I have it written down here, please say in Genesis 12, 13, that you are my sister that it may be well with me. Notice, not well with you. (laughs) But that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. Wow, if that's not throwing your wife under the bus, I don't know what is. So I go, okay, God, how can this be a man of God? But yet he is, and he makes this really bad mistake. And I just want to know, I want you to know, that he actually does it a second time later on. He does it a second time. But you know what? This is something that God's going to work out in him. Because before he comes into the promise, even when he's 99 years old, okay, he has, God revisits this with him and he gets convicted again. So you know what? God's got this. You know what? We can get all bad of shape when our loved ones or somebody close to us is not behaving like they should. You were supposed to be a man of God. I thought you were supposed to be a woman of God, right? We can get all bent out of shape and we can let that affect our spirits, right? But you know what? God's got this and God takes care of it. God's got Sarah's back. She goes along with the whole idea and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Genesis 12, 17. I just love it how God has our back. So many times we want to try to control and make people around us be what we want them to be and what we think they should be. But you know what? God's got our back. God's got your back. And I just want us to remember that. Um, And the cool thing about this is that because Abraham believed God, because Abraham had a heart for God, God got him back on track. And um, that's one thing, actually, I just love about my husband is that um, we're we're two very separate people, very different people. I grew up in a Christian home, knew how to behave and what to do and all these things, you know. And Anthony came from Kodiak, Alaska, like he was sharing last night, and grew up in a very different situation. And um, we met. But the thing that has kept Anthony on track because there's so many times where I was like, ah, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I wanted to go through the whole, and you call yourself a pastor, right? Okay. You know, I wanted to go through all that, right? Okay. But the thing that I could trust in is that God not only had my back, but God had his back. And because he believed in God and loved God, he got back on track. And God intervened for Abraham and Sarah, and he got them back on track. 
So you don't have to freak out. You don't have to try to control. If you're believing who God says you are and you're believing his promises, he's got your back. And you can trust that he's going to do crazy awesome things. He plagues Pharaoh and God, God and, he, and Pharaoh it realizes through the plague somehow, this is not Abraham's sister. This is his wife. Somehow he has that aha revelation. Nobody tells him that. God downloads on a secular man, and he has this aha moment, and he's like, Abraham, what are you doing to me? What are you thinking, man? I almost married your wife. I could have sinned against God in this, okay? So God is so good. Isn't God good? But the cool thing about um, God getting Abraham back on track, they left. And as you can imagine, they're leaving Egypt, and they're walking along, I don't know. I'm just wondering about the tension in that travel. I mean, like, that must have been a silent car ride. (laughs) But anyhow, so they finally make it, and they make it back. And actually, Abraham goes right back to that altar that he built. He goes right back to that place where he built that altar. He goes back, and he calls on the name of the Lord. So believing God and going back to his promises actually is like a honing device that gets us back on track. Not only does it draw us close to the Lord, and that's so important, is that we can draw close to God by believing what he says, but also it gets us back on track. That's why worship is so important, and it gets us back on track. So he builds an altar, and he worships the Lord again. Genesis 13, 3 through 4. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, that was from Egypt, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And he remembered who God was and what God had promised to him. Hallelujah. So good. Okay, now I want to talk about Sarah. Sarah struggled with believing God for herself. Sarah was totally a part of the promise. But somehow she didn't think that she was. Um, God had to continue to make it clear to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah was just as much a part of the promise as Abraham. But Sarah, for some reason, she struggled with receiving and believing what God was saying, that she was a part of the promise. And guys, I don't know if you've ever had a good friend or family member where you have told them the truth and it's the honest-to-goodness truth, And they just go, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I can't believe that. I'm sorry. I don't believe that. What happens when that happens? When you're in a relationship with somebody and they say, I don't believe you. It's like hand in the face, right? It's like, I I can't believe you. And it just pushes you away from them, right? It pushes you away. So that was the stance that Sarah had. She had this, I can't believe you, God stance. Okay, I want to share this tonight because I really believe that God is going to just really move in some of our hearts, in all of our hearts. If there's an area 
that we are not believing God's truth and God's promise in, I believe God's going to expose that tonight. So thank you, God. You're going to do that. Somehow Sarah went along with this crazy plan to pretend to be Abraham's sister. And actually, um, it's kind of a half-truth. Did you know that Abraham and Sarah had the same father, but not the same mother? So Abraham had more than one wife, which could be an indication why he, it was easy for him to see that maybe the promise could be for him, but, you know, Sarah was expendable because he could get another wife. Maybe. But somehow, Sarah took on that same belief about herself. And she started thinking, I believe, she started thinking that she wasn't that important to the promise. She was expendable. And Abraham was the blessed. He was the important one. He was the one that God was doing all the talking to, right? He must be special. Okay? Some of you guys have felt that way. You've been like, God... Why don't you talk to me? I want you to talk to me like you talk to Pastor Tom. I want you to talk to me like you talk to this person. Why can't I hear that word for myself? Right? Has anybody ever felt that way? Yes. Um, God wants you to know tonight that you're just as special. And you're just as part of the promise. And God is unique in the way that he speaks and the way that he ministers to us. And God wants to draw us close to him, and he has a promise for you. He has a promise for each and every one of us. So I'm just, I just want to make that really clear. But she failed to notice and let it sink in that even though her husband threw her under the bus, did God throw her under the bus? No way. God fought for her, and God plagued Pharaoh, and God upset the whole kingdom for her. Whoa. Okay? God had done this amazing thing, and God was saying, I value you. Maybe he didn't say it in the same way that he said it to Abraham, but he was showing her through his actions. I value you. You are important to me, and I am gonna, I'm honoring you because you have a place in my promise. But for some reason, she didn't notice that. She kept thinking about how she was expendable, and she was barren. So what value did she have? She was barren. I'm not producing anything that great, so I must not be that special. I don't know if some of you guys have felt that way, but tonight God wants to tell you something different. But when we start feeling this way, when we start feeling that because of our unfruitfulness and our barrenness, God is not with us, we're believing a lie. Look at Genesis 16, 1 through 2. And when we believe lies, um, we set ourselves up to doing some things that um, are not part of God's plan and that could really um, hurt us and hurt others. Um, now, Ab- now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Wow. Again, now Sarah's like throwing herself under the bus. Come on, Sarah. God had given them a promise that God was going to bless Abraham and bless Sarah and that God was going to give them children. But she... She's, all she could think about was her barrenness. All she could think about is, is how she had not um, 
been able to reproduce. And I want you to notice something that's really important. She said, see now to Abraham, this is her first words, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. I went back and looked through this whole passage. I read through this whole thing, and there's not once where God said, I've restrained Sarah from having children. God never said that. This is Sarah's interpretation of the situation. God never, ever said that to her or to Abraham. In fact, the only thing that God spoke to Abraham is, I'm going to multiply your descendants. I'm going to give you a son. And Sarah, through Sarah, God just kept saying a promise to him, and he never once said, I have made Sarah barren. But nevertheless, she was barren, right? But instead, God was saying what he was going to do. I am going to bless Sarah. She is going to have a child through me. But Sarah couldn't take that for herself. And she had a hard time with the waiting. And she couldn't take that personally. And so she ended up passing her husband on, or passing her maid onto her husband. Wow. And we know, if you've done any study, what a turmoil that happened, what turmoil that brought on. And it caused Sarah even to be even more secure, insecure. It did not solve any problems. It created a whole lot of family drama. How many of you guys like family drama? (laughs) Family drama. A whole lot of family drama. And sometimes, guys, our insecurities and our fears and our unableness to believe what God says about us causes a whole lot of family hurt and drama. And um, this is what she said to Abram later after... After um, um, her maid conceives, she says in Genesis 16:5, then Sarah said to Abram, "My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and she conceived, and I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me." Wow, this is like the first time you actually hear Sarah like not being soft-spoken and hiding in the tent. Okay, (laughs) this is the first time you don't see her calling him Lord. She's now, this is raw family moment. (laughs) This is raw family moment. She's like, my wrong be upon you. It wasn't my wrong. You slept with her. You know, she's like, she's coming unglued. She's losing it, okay? She's freaking out. And then she's even having this be a competition here. She's saying, let the Lord judge between you and me. We'll see who's the best one, right? She's just going crazy. Because when we don't have, when we don't know who we really are in God, we're so insecure. We're so, we, we easily get offended. We easily are offended, okay? So we need to have our value. Our value needs to be in how God sees us, okay? Not on how other people are seeing us. Our value should be in how God sees us. So God, again, trying to get Sarah's attention, he said to Abraham, he said to both Abram and, well, to Abram, he said, I'm changing your name. No longer you're going to be Abram, you're going to be Abraham. And then he says to Sarai, or he says to um, Abram, tell Sarai, you're not going to call her Sarai anymore. Abraham, you're going to call her Sarah. And I love that um, because we're going to read this real quick. Um, Genesis 17, 14 through 16. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. 
Her name shall be Sarah, and I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her, and I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, and kings of peoples will come from her. You know what God's trying to do right now? He's giving her a new name. He's saying to her, you are not a victim. You are not a victim. You're my princess. You are not a despised one. You are beloved. You are chosen. You are treasured. You're going to be the mother of kings. Wow. Wow. Isn't that a beautiful message? Um, I love it how God continued to woo Sarah. He continued to try to... From that moment on, her husband because he was going to follow God, could no longer call her Sarai. He had to call her Sarah. What did that mean? Every time he looked at her, princess, my princess. <laughs> he no longer, he had to speak God's words over her. He had to speak God's words over her because God not only wanted to change how Sarah viewed herself and hear God's truth, God wanted to change how Abraham viewed her. So good. I love it how God repeats his promises. And it's not a bad thing to go back to God's promises. It's not a bad thing to return to God's promises. I remember a really sweet time with Tom and Alice. Um, They came and visited us in Seattle. And we were down at the waterfront. And um, we had dinner with them. And while we were having dinner with them, we were just talking God stuff. And we were just talking about what God had spoken to us, the words and the God moments that we'd had in our lives, and all this cool stuff, sharing about really, truly, what God moments. You know where God speaks something to you and you know this is God's word? And when we were all done, we were just having a blessed time. When we were all done, we walked out of the restaurant. And right outside the restaurant, in the sky, there was not one, but two rainbows. And we could almost see the full arch. And it just went like one full rainbow. And they were beautiful, colored. And then a second rainbow. I had never in my life seen a double rainbow. I don't know if you guys, I mean like a full, full double arch. I was like, I just started laughing. I just started laughing. And I couldn't stop laughing. And I realized just actually today, this morning, is that God has God loves to repeat his promises to us and confirm his promises to us. His promises are yes and amen, right? His promises, because I just was tickled by those double rainbows because I'd never seen that before, and I just kept laughing about it. But then I realized this morning, wow, that's like a confirmation of the promises. And while we were sharing what God had said to us and what God had said to each of us, it throughout our ministry and stuff, and those promises, we were so blessed by hearing each other's promises and just restating them again. And then we walk out the door, and we just see this, like, double rainbow. And now I realize, wow, God's just saying, yes and amen. Yes, yes and amen. <laughs> Isn't he so good? Oh, so good. Okay, so... Sarah, even though God is trying so hard to get her attention, she has a hard time still believing. And she laughs at the promise. 
It just seems too crazy for her. It seems too impossible. She can't see it. She can't see it. Have you ever laughed at a promise that God has spoken to you? Um, I'm going to share one more story. I have laughed at a promise. I've laughed. Um, Anthony was sharing um, about, did you share about the building? Okay, I'm going to share, I'm going to share, well, you were sharing it during lunch today, but anyway, God did something really cool for us. My husband, like I said, he's the one that just loves to meet with the Lord. He loves to get alone with the Lord and meet with God. And um, I've often find, found myself in the tent or at the house um, wishing, <laughs> wishing that I could have more time to spend with the Lord, you know, and I'm you know, washing the dishes and doing all that stuff. But anyhow, okay, so it takes time, guys. It takes time to hear. So Anthony, one year, we didn't have a church building, and we were really hurting for a church building. And one year for New Year's Eve, well, right after New Year's Eve, um, Anthony did a week of fasting and prayer, like you guys do here at this church. And um, he did a week of fasting and prayer. And I love a week of fasting and prayer, but I have to say it's a hard on me as a wife because my husband's gone every single night. And usually he doesn't just like make it just like a two-hour meeting. It's like from six to midnight, right? Okay, it's like, you know, he does this whole waiting in God's presence every single night of the week, okay? And I'm thinking, this is wonderful. Okay, I can do this for a week. I can do this for a week. I can find something to do with my kids, and I had small children. I can do this for a week. But then Anthony says, no, we got to do it for another week. That was this one year. He said, I really feel like this year God really wants us to do it for another week. And he's never did that before, and he hasn't done it since. This was a God thing, okay? He said it wasn't a works thing. God really spoke to him. But I'm skeptical. I'm like, oh, really? Honey, I'm home alone with half the I can't be there for six hours at church. I'm whining. I can't be there for six hours at church. I got all the kids, and I got to be home, and you're just basking in the glory. And I'm... (laughs) And I got to be home with the kids, and I'm feeling like Sarah in the tent, okay? And I'm... I'm like thinking, oh man, really, 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 okay. So, but he, he, he goes not just one week, he goes two weeks. And then to top it all off, after two weeks, he says, I gotta go one more. I'm like, are you for real? Yes. Okay, so we went for three weeks of fasting and prayer and I'm like, well, you better have heard from God after that. That's what I have to say. You better have heard from God because I've been torching. <laughs> yes, I have five children. You hear my pain. Okay. <laughs> okay, so he gets back and he's like, I got nothing. I got nothing. He gets up in front of the church. I got nothing. And I'm like, why would you even tell the church that? <laughs> Three weeks and you got nothing. Come up with something. Come on. Okay, that's how I felt. Okay, I'm just being honest. Okay. So then, but we had a good prayer meeting. Okay, we had good prayer meetings. But then two months later, out of the blue, we're at home. Anthony gets this call from this pastor that um, we, don't, we don't know very well. He's more like an acquaintance. 
He gets this call from this pastor, and this pastor calls him and wants to have lunch with him. And he hangs up the phone, and I happen to be in the same room. I'm like, who is that? He goes, oh, it's Pastor so-and-so. I'm like, do you know him very much? He goes, like, no, I don't know him hardly at all. And then all of a sudden he goes, he's going to give me the keys to his building. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I looked at him, and I literally said, are you kidding me? No one just gives you keys to a building. And he goes, I don't know how I know. It was like one of those things where it's like, oh. All of a sudden, it hit two months later. Now I heard, he's going to give me the keys to the building. And I said, you're crazy. I laughed at him. I said, shut up. (laughs) I literally did. I said, I have so much faith, don't I? I said, (laughs) I said, shut up. Don't covet his building. Nobody's going to give you a keys to his building. Nobody's going to. I said, have you even looked at his building? He's like, no. And I'm like, well, what are you thinking? I'm such a supportive wife. So sure enough, he goes out to lunch with this pastor. He goes out to lunch with this pastor. This pastor, they talk small talk and everything. And after the small talk, he pulls out the keys to the church building. He puts them on the table. He passes them over to Anthony and says, how would you like the keys to the church or building, our church building? We were looking and praying. That's the whole reason why we prayed for three weeks is because we were looking for a church building. And he said, how would you like the keys to our church building? And Anthony just started laughing. He just started laughing. He just says, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and the guy's like, what? This is what we found out. During those three weeks of prayer and fasting that year, the board of that church were getting together and having all these meetings, and they were trying to decide who they were going to give the building to. They were closing down as a church. They could not exit. They couldn't run anymore. They couldn't make their bills, and they decided to dissolve, and they were trying to decide who they were going to give their building to. Um, and they were, they were talking. Different, different people came up, and finally Anthony's name came up, and they decided, and they voted to give Anthony the church to the building or give Anthony his church isn't that incredible? It, and it, yeah. And it wasn't just a church. There was also a parsonage, a house right next to it. I like that part. I like that part. So then he gets home and he goes, guess what happened? And I said, I don't know. Tell me. He goes, he offered me the keys to his building. And I looked at him and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I did. Again, twice, two shut-ups. <laughs> and you know what? I couldn't even receive it. I'm like going, oh boy, there is a hitch here. I kept saying, there's a hitch. Nobody just gives you a whole church building and a house what are you thinking, Anthony? He's, he's got a trick. He's got a trick. I was literally like naysaying like the whole time, like, oh, you better, you better look at the dotted line. I want to see those documents. I mean, I was just like so uptight about it until finally I got alone with the Lord. And I got alone with the Lord, and I said, okay, God, this is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It scares me spitless. It really did. I thought there was something going on, like, oh, he going to do a church merge. He's going to pull a church merge, or he's going to stick around. He's going to try to control you. I don't know. I was just thinking all the what ifs. 
from the enemy. Okay, and so finally, I got along with God, and I got a word from him, and this is the word I got. I did one of those cool things where it's like, God, you got to talk to me because I can't hear anything, and I'm so scared. That was like my face, okay. So I opened the Bible, and I looked at the Bible, and this verse just jumped out at me, and this was the verse that jumped out at me. It says, truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Mark 9, 41. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I, I got to be able to receive. I got to be able to receive. If somebody's giving me something in the name of the Lord, I got to be able to receive it. Sarah had a hard time receiving Sarah had a really hard time receiving. Genesis 18, 12, when she overheard the men of God saying to Abraham, because sent, God sent down um, three people, three people to verify the message to Abraham, the visitors, um, she overhears, she's hanging out in the tent. The first thing that the visitors say, as soon as Abraham gets all the food for him, okay, all the food together, and he has them sit down, and he's ready to hear what they're going to say, the first thing that those three visitors say is, where's Sarah, your wife? And he's like, oh, she's, she's in the tent. And he said, well, by this time next year, Sarah, your wife, is going to have a son. And she's going to have a baby. And we're going to return here, and she's going to be, she's going to have a baby. Isn't that amazing? But Sarah's listening, and what is she doing? She's like, <laughs> She's holding her breath. Now, I don't know why she didn't, why she stayed in the tent in the first place. Because, like, if, if somebody comes from afar off and comes to your house and your husband's bowing down and worshiping him, calling him Lord and that kind of thing, and they're getting ready to, like, download this really awesome message, and they look like this, like they have this, like, oh, angelicness around them, right? I would, like, want to get out there and, like, be right there wanting to hear what they have to say, Right? But instead, Sarah's hanging back. She's hanging back, and she's hiding out in the tent, but she's listening. And while she's hiding out, she hears them say that she's going to have a child, and she starts laughing to herself. And she says, I love this word, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Some people just feel worn out. You've just been waiting You've been working, you've been trying to be faithful, and you've been trying to hold on to God's promises, but you're just worn out. And I believe God tonight wants to refresh you with his promises. He wants to refresh you with his truth. She just couldn't believe anymore. But God remembered Sarah. And Genesis 21, 1 and God visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Genesis 21.1. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who will hear will laugh with me. Genesis 21.6. She finally got the goodness of the Lord. Incidentally, Isaac's name means laughter. God changed Sarah's laughter. From a cynical, grumpy, bitter woman. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay? <laughs> you know, I can't believe that anymore. 
Don't give me that nonsense. Right? You can, you can hear that. Okay? Cynical woman to laughing with joy. Can you imagine her seeing this, like, wiggly baby in her arms? Can you see this old lady with this, like, wiggling, crying life in her hands? And she's just laughing her head off, just laughing with the joy of the Lord as she's holding this baby. God fulfilled his promise because he just does that. He is a God that keeps his promises. Tonight, I believe some of you guys, God wants to... Change your laughter. Change how you see things so that you can start seeing things with God vision from heaven's perspective. And when you see things from heaven's perspective, there's a shift. Maybe you're going to cry. Maybe you're going to laugh. I don't know, but something's going to happen because when you catch a glimpse at the greatness and the awesomeness and the goodness of God, It just sort of blows you away. (laughs) It does. It just sort of blows you away. One of the things that Abraham learned early on, God said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, come out of your tent. I want to show you something. And Abraham came out of his tent, and he said, look up. Look up. And Abraham looked up, and he saw, like, the vastness of the sky and all those stars, like, just glowing in the night. And God said, see all those stars? That's what your descendants are going to be like. Whoa! Whoa! That's what my I don't think I can even count those, God. That's so amazing, right? God wants to blow us away. But we have to look up. We have to look up. We can't be sticking around in that tent and mulling over what ifs. Like I had with Anthony and those keys of the building. And I'm like, well, what if, what if, what if, whatever. Okay, all the what ifs, right? The fear of man. Fear of what, what might happen. God wants to get rid of your what ifs. And he wants you to look up and see what is possible. The visitors that came to Sarah said, Abraham and Sarah said, why is Sarah laughing? Is anything too hard for God? I want us to be renewed in our hearts tonight that we can start thinking, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard? And those of you that are worn out, I believe God wants to breathe on you tonight. He wants to breathe new life on you. He wants to remind you of his promises. He wants to show you (laughs) how he sees you. You're not dejected. You're not barren. You're not unfruitful. God wants to show you how he sees you. And he also wants to give you new eyes for your loved one. So you can see them how he sees them as well. He wants to take the worn outness off and refresh your eyes, refresh your thinking, refresh your vision, refresh how you see things, and refresh what comes out of your mouth. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. And God wants to change your laugh. God wants to change your laugh. (laughs) We're going to pray. Can we stand?
worship team can come. I don't know if any of you guys have had those God moments where God just has spoken to you either through a word or through um, a scripture or through a prophetic word, but where God has spoken something to you. And God wants to remind you of that tonight. God wants to remind you of that. Because all of God's promises are yes and amen. And he wants you again to agree with him about what he's spoken to you. I want you to know that Abraham and Sarah, they didn't see the full fullness of the promise. They saw Isaac. They saw the beginning of the promise. But they didn't get to see all those descendants that are like the stars. But because they believed, they paved the way for others to come into the promise, for their descendants to know, and for those, their children after them to believe. They paved the way for faith, for believing God. And tonight God says, even though you haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise, it does not mean the promise is not true. Just because you have not seen the fulfillment of the promise does not mean it is not true. I have called you. You are fruitful. You are mine. I am blessing you. I want to bless you. And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. That's what God wants to do in you. I want to make your name great. Because when your name is made great, I know what you're going to do. You're going to point to me. You're going to point to me. And you're going to give glory to me. And when you give glory to me, you're going to shine You're going to shine, and people are going to say, wow, isn't God good? Isn't he glorious? Isn't he amazing? Isn't he amazing? Look what he can do with an old lady from a tent. Look what he can do with a child. Look what he can do with anybody who says, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want us to take a moment. I just want us to quiet ourselves. And I want us to remember. I just want to build an altar right now. Hallelujah. What do you remember that God has spoken over your life? What do you remember? And if you haven't heard anything yet, then you're in for a treat because God loves to speak his promises over his people because God wants to speak to you. He wants to download a word. This last year, my husband was going through cancer. We went through a trial, heavy trial. And during that time, um, Anthony had kidney cancer. And last October, he got diagnosed. And I had a hard time thinking clearly during that time because I kept thinking about the what ifs and thinking, okay, what am I going to do if this happens? And I got to plan this. And I got what if and what if. And I had a hard time thinking clearly because I was so worried about all the what ifs. And you know what? God spoke to me, and it was just a simple thing. 
But he said, I got your back. I got your back. And I knew when he said that to me that I was going to be okay no matter what happened. I knew that I was going to be okay because God Almighty has my back. Some of you guys need to hear that word tonight. He's got your back. Some of you need to hear that word. Some of you guys need to hear the word that he's speaking to you about a loved one. Maybe you've called a loved one a name that God says, that's not what I've called them. That's not what I've called them. I've called them a man after my own heart. I've called them a woman after my own heart. I'm calling them something completely different. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm calling them. And start saying it yourself. Start saying it yourself. Start saying, princess, start declaring who that loved one is. Start saying it because God wants to bring about his promises. And we got to agree with him on it. We got to say yes. We got to speak it out. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're going to refresh and revive. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want us to take some time. I want us to take some time to say, God, speak to me again. Speak to me. Confirm your promises in my life. We're gonna, I'm going to open the altar for those of you that want to just take some time to listen and hear what God is saying. And I want you to, when you hear it, I want you to say yes. And I want you to say amen. And I want you to join with him, join with him in his joy and his laughter over that situation, over that person. I want you to join with him. He's going to change your laughter tonight. In Jesus' name.